Hello? Haro? Hibachi Benihana Teriyaki. Nagasaki, Okinawa, Hokkaido, Yokohama. Karate Judo Sumo Samurai. Nissan, Honda, Mitsubishi, Subaru. Harikari Tsunami, Kamikaze Banzai. Yamaha, Nissan, Casio, Iwa. Minota, Hitachi, Seiko, Toshiba. Buddha, Shitake Kimono. Tempura, Sushi, Sashimi. Fujitsu. I'm Freddy Krueger and I'm here to say I love second rock in the major way What's gonna happen on the show today? Will it be a shit story or is that gay? Maybe a guest appearance with Wacker Lee Or video game news with Jeffrey It'll be hip and it'll be cool Kids don't take drugs and stay in school Or you might end up like Joker Paul Freddy Freddy's out Lick my balls Good evening, welcome to Sick and Wrong The world's source for antisocial commentary I'm your host, Isan. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. Kate Rambo, we yeah. are officially kicking off Spooktober here yeah. on Sick and Wrong, your favorite month of the year. And yours too, your God I, as well. I love wrong. Spooktober, especially on Sick and Wrong because we do like, we go out of our way to find the spookiest of topics for Spooktober. This is Goff Christmas. I think Gino christened it as Goff Christmas on the Discord. It is. Well, that's what I love about about in LA. I mean, now they're starting they're starting at like the first week of September. Love it. It's the way it should be. <laughs> like Universal Horror Nights, I think was opening weekend was like the week after Labor Day. So like September eleventh. Are we gonna go this year? I haven't decided yet. There's a lot of different things going on. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. It was fun, but I'd be happy to skip it. It's not something I feel the need to do every year. Well, this is your first full spooktober. Yeah, the in whole of LA. Because last yeah. year, weren't you here just for like the last two weeks? The last two weeks, yeah. But it was fun though. I mean, we we saw Merciful Fate, amazing, which was great. And then yeah, we went to Universal Horror Nights. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that again. It's expensive. I think like every couple of years, it's fun to do, but it's not something I would be like. I liked what was the Ghetto one more? Oh, the Haunted Hayride. That was ghetto. I liked that. Yeah, I kind of want to do that. I usually do that. That one's a lot cheaper, but it's also, I just find it fun. And it's more, well, actually, I don't think it's independent anymore. I think now it's sponsored by some corporation, but it was independent. Yeah, no, it was fun. I would do that. But yeah, that was cool. We did that last last year. I want to check that out. Maybe not Scary Farms. You haven't been to that one yet. I haven't. I also haven't done like a con maze or anything like that. Oh, there's probably, there's probably shit like that going out. There's probably shit like that going on, not in the city, but like in the valley or something. Yeah, we should go to do a corn maze. <laughs> a a corn cream. maze. It just seems like something <laughs> you would do when you're five. Well, you know, you know what the big thing is now, I've noticed in LA, is immersive horror theater. These are great, because I acted in some, some of these types of things. Well, you did you do a Halloween-themed one? We did different types of themes. I was part of like, um, so this guy would do like, it would be corporate events or weddings. So he knew like actors in every town. So when he got to your town, he would be like, do you want to make 200 quid today? And be like, fuck yeah, I do. And it was all like improvised, but you would have cues that you would learn. Like I, we did a Dallas themed one and I was Joan Collins. I was Alexis and I had to like throw water in his face. And oh, but that's like real theater. 
it's no, it's immersive because you're talking to all the people and they have to figure out who's been murdered and why. It's like more like a murder mystery. A thing. murder mystery thing. Super fun though. Like I always loved it. And I was, was there nudity? No, but I know that he did do racy ones. Not I, in the ones I did. I did like a 1920s flapper one. I did a Dallas one, Dallas slash Dynasty. Wait, they didn't have nudity for the flapper one? No. Although they should have. You know, it was before the code. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been to, I haven't been to that many immersive theater type stuff. I'm not a, I gotta say, I'm not a huge theater person. I've been to a couple shows that were, or plays or whatever that were kind of cool. Rocky Horror. I've been to see Rocky Horror a whole I'll bunch. I'll pass on Rocky Horror. No, we're going to see Rocky Horror. Book of so Mormon was great. Oh, we're going to... Fuck Book of Mormon. We'll see Book Rocky Horror. Book of Mormon Horror. is fucking way better than uh, Rocky Horror. Are you Horror. fucking joking me? No, I, for real. It's not. I've had to deal with... I've had to endure... I'm, I'm an old goth. I've had to endure Rocky Horror more times than I can count. And I'd rather, if I can avoid it, um, not have to deal with it again. I will love that movie and musical until the day I fucking die. Rocky Horror changes people's lives. The Book of Mormon is uh, is hilarious and very offensive. It's a good one. Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That was all right. Did mm. you ever see that one? No, I've seen the film. That's that, but that's kind of like like Rocky Horror. I the imagine. one I always wanted to see and I read about and I obviously never got to do or see was Point Break because I think I would have made a fabulous Johnny Utah. Oh, they, the... they do that one here. No, it stopped. Well, they used to do. It. I yeah, remember when I, I moved here. They I always did wanted it. to do the Point Break. I and they the pick skin like off chicken, somebody. Sir. They pick yeah. somebody out from the crowd to be Johnny. That's Utah. me. Yeah, that would be me. Utah, give me two. I've oh, been like, yeah, I'll get you too. I'd have been so good in it. Thank God they don't do that anymore. Sod off. <laughs> well, it. I guess around Halloween, there's a lot of these like immersive theatrical experiences. So I remember when I was in uh, New York, I went to this one called Sleep No More, which I imagine people, I don't think we talked about it on the show, but it was a few years ago. And that was cool. It was like the story of Macbeth, but it was in this like, I don't know, this like fucking massive warehouse in Manhattan. And me and uh, my ex went to it, and we didn't quite understand. Like, there's a way you're supposed to experience it. Like, you're supposed to find a character like Lady Macbeth and follow her throughout the, uh-huh. the setting to kind of get the story. Well, we were so high. We just kind of walked around. And it's this fucking cool-looking setting. Like, you kind of walk through this. It's almost like a horror, like a, like a horror film. Kind of looked like a haunted house, but, like, really spooky. So we were just kind of checking everything out. And then, I don't know, like after an hour into it, we realized, oh, there's actually something going on. And <laughs> we've missed it. Yeah. And so we pretty much missed like half of it. But we got to see the end. That was cool. They kind of heard you into the final scene where she like, I don't want to spoiler, but yeah, there's nudity in it. Well, every summer, we I used to do summer stock as well. And we did it at this place called Hutton in the Forest, which is just outside. It's in the middle of Cumbria. It's a really old like mansion type thing. And that would be like a kind of immersive theater because whatever, it was always a Shakespeare play you would do. But whatever Shakespeare play it is, you would lead the cast to like the neck, the cast to the crowd. Oh, the crowd. To the next you, yeah, that's kind setting, of setting. And it was always really fun to do stuff like well, that. Well, with Sleep No More, maybe we'll go, if it's still going on in New York, we should check there it out. There was no orgy in my one. I just want to point that out. But Sleep No More didn't have an orgy, but there was nudity. Like there's definitely titties, I remember. And the people would like come up to you and just engage with you just randomly. And yeah. you had to have like one of those eyes wide shut, like sexy masks on. Oh, did you? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed doing all that. I think that would be great work. And fun it, it, was, it was a cool experience. You could drink and, and check it out. But here, there's this one that I want to check out here that's a new one called Angel of Light. 
It's a haunting new theatrical immersive experience that's taking place at the uh, Los Angeles Theater downtown, which is a fucking awesome theater. It's been abandoned that? forever. Oh, wow. Um, you know who I saw there? I saw, this is also for uh, my most recent ex on her birthday, the cast of Bob's Burgers. What? Did a whole thing. It was like this variety show. It was actually kind of cool. And there are a lot of celebrities that came out and did stuff with them. But it was in the uh, the LA theater. Oh, I'm excited to see the theater. But this, I guess, uh, you can like walk through it in, in areas that normally you'd never have any access to. It's like un- the underground catacombs below it. How did they get the hobos out of there? Did they flush them out with water or smoke or fire? Like wh- They, what did they, they had do? to have used smoke. To get rid of the hobos. I Personally, I would have used gas. I would have used water. Well, no, I don't. I, it's all blocked up. Like people can, you can rent the LA theater for uh, private shows and things like that. Okay. So I imagine that's kind of what happened here. So guests will find themselves at Rota Preston's debut vocal performance. Unbeknownst to the audience, the ancient angel of light curse is revived that evening, and attendees will relive the chaotic and unsettling tale through like live performances, elaborate sets, and uh, ornate artistry. And so you can just kind of wander through this like live theatrical experience. Okay. But it sounds kind of cool. It does sound cool. There's like demons, and there's like satanic characters. There's a a possession cube room. Ooh. Yeah, I think it sounds kind of rad. So I'd, I'd check that out. And it's kind of expensive, but not more expensive than like going to go see Danzig in Ontario. Daddy. We saw Daddy <laughs> at the weekend. More about that on, on the second show. show. There's another one, though, uh, that's also, this one's way more expensive. And it's, it's kind of popular. I was talking to a guy at work that went to this one with his wife. It's called The Willows. And it's an interactive psychodrama that casts visitors as dinner guests at a sinister Los Angeles mansion. Yeah, I think all of these would be so fun. They're kind of good, like, birthday ideas as well. Because, you know, sometimes you're like, what should we do for a birthday? It's like, this is something super fun that you Well, I think do. this is kind of a relatively new thing for LA. Because they haven't always done these immersive haunted theater things. I think this is only in the past, I would say, four or five years. Right. I mean, they do those haunted, like the haunts that you go to, like the haunted houses and the haunted mazes and things like that, or like the really intense ones, like McKamey Manor. But this is more of like a theater, like a theatrical performance. You know, it'll be you know? a great one to do. And I wonder if they could even license it um, due to Polanski being a very naughty boy. But wouldn't Rosemary's Baby be a great one? That would be a really good theme. Yeah. And I'm surprised Universal. I don't know who did Rosemary's Baby, actually. I don't know. I would I'm just, surprised be... they haven't done a maze for The Shining. Yeah, I wonder why they can't. But Maybe it's a licensing thing. Yeah. So here, you spend 200 bucks to attend this dinner, and only 18 people. And uh, the audience becomes entwined in the unfolding narrative, which is different every time. Oh, right. And you kind of get into the mystery and the, and the dynamics behind the Willows family. And uh, yeah, they say that it's like this, this thrilling storyline, these characters that you interact with. People said it's like the biggest show right now in LA. Tickets are $200 and it's adults only, 21 up. Do you get dinner and food? Yeah, it's like a full dinner. For $200? I think that's really good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd probably be more inclined to check out the other one because you're kind of wandering through this old theater. I, think I like that cooler. as well. You're not pinned down. But I do think for $200, the fact you get a full dinner and you get drinks and you get a show is like, because do you know how much it costs to go and see the fucking Moulin Rouge? What? Oh, the one in Paris? 
Yeah. Yeah, but there's titties at that. That is true. I would pay extra for There might for be that. titties in this. You might might be able to request titties. Yeah, but it's probably going to be like some kind of monstrous like psycho chick. I would want it to be like, you know, Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre free when they go into the cave with Dennis Hopper. Are those the, like monster titties? Well, I mean, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family. So, yeah. I don't want to see inbred titties. I want to see like Elvira titties. But you can it's see, Halloween. Yeah, I want to see monster titties because it's Halloween. I guess it depends. Uh, the third one here that, that's going on, this one's in Pomona. It's called Delusion. And this one's been going on for a few years, but they change it up every year. So it's like an hour-long show, and you're kind of in this like, you, you're supposed to feel like you're a main character in a horror film. So this one's called Nocturnes and Nightmares. I like this, the idea of this yeah, one. This one actually goes to like uh, mid-November. Uh, and they go to this, it's this old mansion in Pomona where we were uh, last weekend at the Phillips Mansion. And it's kind of like this late 1800s kind of setting. Uh, tickets for this one are 90. Oh, okay. On certain nights. You know, I was thinking about this. They should do, because they got all this like, they got all this like vacant property in downtown LA. They should do an immersive theater experience in Little Tokyo, but with Japanese horror. Yeah, I'm definitely. Imagine down how for popular this. that would be. I'm a tartan Asia baby, so this well, is because they always do like Victorian horror, or you know, or or they'll do Satan. like you know Satan, like '80s yeah. type horror. But if they did uh, like a theatrical, like an immersive theater experience in Little Tokyo with like you know real Japanese ghosts, it would be awesome. I think it'd be rad because the Japanese know how to do horror properly. Fuck yeah, they do, and the and, Koreans as well. Don't forget a uh, lot of the tartan Koreans, Asia was Korean. Yeah, Koreans yeah. do do excellent horror too but like i'm just thinking like audition tokyo gore police yeah you know ringu amazing movies so the thing is with japanese um the japanese belief in ghosts it's it's kind of in, in intertwined with their culture yeah ghosts are real to them and yeah. they're nothing to be feared well all humans have a spirit or a soul called a reikon and so when a person dies that soul leaves the body and enters kind of this form of purgatory and we're going to talk about this in a bit, but this is where like the, the family has to do like proper funeral rites and things like that. So the ghost spirit can join its ancestors. Now, if the person dies in like a violent manner, such so as a murder or suicide, and the proper rites haven't been performed, well, then they're kind of, they become, the Raycon soul becomes a Uri, which is a ghost. And that's kind of like bridges the gap between the f physical world and the spirit world. Yeah. And you're stuck there, possibly for eternity, unless you do the proper rituals. So the Ure will come back to complete the, the action of the last thought that they had before they died. Ooh. So, I mean, it could be an, an innocuous thought. What if your last thought, if you were like, say, a pedophile, and your last thought was, I wish I'd fucked more kids? Well, then you're going to be like a pedo ghost. It's like Jimmy Savile coming. So like, you <laughs> you'd be like the phantom Jimmy Savile. Savile's back. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good movie, actually. Just the, haunted by Savile, and if he catches you, he just rapes you. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, but the Ure exists on Earth until they can be laid to rest, and that's because of the missing rituals, or the family has to resolve the emotional conflict that ties it to the physical plane. And if these rituals aren't completed the Ure will haunt certain people or certain neighborhoods or certain homes forever. So the subject of this week's show, we're going to talk about the uh, 2011 earthquake and tsunami 
that killed more than 15,000 people in uh, 2011 in Japan. That apparently caused a lot of yurei, Japanese ghosts, to, 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 uh, from the victims because those, those people weren't put to rest properly. So yeah. there's a lot of um, anecdotes, but a lot of sightings in that area of Japan of tsunami ghosts. Yeah. So it's an interesting topic. We're going to get into it. And I just want to give a, a quick caveat to listeners like Adam from Tokyo. We're probably going to butcher some Japanese uh, terms here. Yeah, get over it, Adam. So just just prepare yourself, all right? Just 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 go with it. Go with it. We're going to try. We looked up a few on YouTube, but we're still going to butcher it probably because we're not Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. So we'll, we'll give it a go. So before we get into tsunami ghosts, let's chat about something much more frightening. The state of the sick and wrong patrons. Oh, my word. I shudder every time I see it. Yeah. (laughs) And the number of followers that we used to have compared to what we have now. Stop kvetching. Come on. I think they're becoming ghosts. I really do. I think they're ghosting us. We want to thank everyone who's ever supported the show in any way. We only continue on because of the people, because we don't have Wondery's money. We don't I have know, anything. I wish we it's did. only because people contribute to Yeah, the only keep sponsor we have is Adam and Eve, and that's, and that's not really much at all. No, it's nothing. <laughs> so at this point it's kind of a it's kind of a funny joke. But I do appreciate everybody that's on the Patreon that, that helps us keep this show going. I mean, it costs a lot to put this on. And I'd rather not have to pay out of pocket if possible. Not to mention case not really working right now. So it, it does help us. And, uh, you know, and it, and it keeps us going. Not to, not to mention we've also built like this kind of community on there. Yeah, There's yeah. people in the Discord and all that. So um, if you like, you know, if you like what we do, if you listen to our prattle every week, <laughs> then we ask you to sign up for the Patreon. Just support the show. It's only, it's only $5 a month. And you get access to the second show. This week, actually, is a really interesting topic that I kind of have a, a somewhat personal connection to. So the trial of Amy Harwick, who is that uh, a doctor. Psych- I think she was a psychiatrist or psychologist. I think she was. Uh, uh, but she was a psychologist that was murdered by an ex-boyfriend. And I knew her through you know, friends of friends. Not to mention, we kind of dated a couple times. Yeah. But she's a really good friend of Lenora's. And uh, it's tragic what happened to her. It's kind of it's kind of unbelievable when you when you know somebody that was violently murdered like that. Really violently as well. Well, so the trial's been taking place for the past, I guess, two months. And I know a few people, there's a few porn stars that I know that uh, that gave testimony. Not to mention my former boss at uh, my previous job, the Scientology job, also um, uh, was on the witness stand because uh, he was like best friends with Amy. So anyway, we get into all the details behind that trial. Um, That's on the second show this week. So it's only $5 a month. That's really not that much. Uh, You get access to the Sick and Wrong on Patreon as well as the uh, the Discord. You can uh, um, join the Discord and uh, and meet a Motley crew, but a very um, close-knit family. Yes. Sick and Wrong family on there. And come and show us all your cats. (laughs) Yeah. We want to see pictures of your cats. There is a lot of cat sharing. Like, well, cat photo sharing, not cat pussy, sharing. A lot of pussies on the Discord. There's a lot of like pussy. Um, you don't even have to sign up for uh, Patreon, though, to support the show. Now you can do it on Apple Podcasts. I post uh, Sick and Wrong to, uh, Sick and Wrong Second Show to Apple Podcasts every week. So there's a couple different ways to support the show. And for a few bucks more, you get access to the bonus mini-show, Sick and Wrong Overkill, as well as uh, Serial Killer Star Signs. 
Um, and we have the archives up there, the first 10 years of uh, Sick and Wrong available on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Um, just help us out. Keep this show going. We appreciate it. So let me play this quick promo, and then uh, let's chat about the ghosts of the tsunami. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. I prefer Jews because they're circumcised and usually lack hang-ups. We live in Sacramento, so Jews like hang-ups. Frequent, but that's what we would prefer anyway. This is not a cuckold situation. She and I like to suck cock together, and she likes to be DP'd and wobbly H'd. <laughs> <laughs> So Erin got this email randomly on Facebook and was like, yeah, I'm thinking of going to Sacramento. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think of... So like Dee said, Adam from Tokyo... This one is for you. <laughs> he is going to be triggered. Adam from Tokyo is just going to have to be very patient, very tolerant of our butchering of the Japanese words, or he's going to be butthurt. So. Or oh, we'll sick the Swede on him again. Wow. I'm waiting for Adam from Tokyo to call <laughs> back. There's a flame war going on. <laughs> so we usually associate ghost stories with Halloween in the West, but in the East, the time for ghosts is in the summertime. Every year on the 15th day of the seventh lunar moon. And I wish we talked like that in the West. Don't you? <laughs> what, like Vincent Price? Yeah, on the five, fifth lunar moon, when the air is still, we shall perform a curse. Ooh. Wouldn't it be great? Chinese-speaking countries celebrate what is translated to as the Hungry Ghost Festival. And around the same time, Japan celebrates um, Oban or Bon. Traditionally, it's in the hottest part of summer and a large group of people gather together to tell ghost stories. They light hundreds of candles and lanterns and with the flames being blown out at the end of each story. So story by story, the spirits are summoned and the room grows darker. Only the bravest of listeners will remain to hear the final story before the last flame is blown out and darkness envelops everyone. Where's uh, the candy corn? I wonder if they have candy corn in Japan. They should. I, I mean, that's what hungry ghosts would want to eat. They're a nation of sweet lovers, so yeah, they, it they wouldn't they surprise like me. Mochi, things like that. Now, just like the West, it has become a big ticket event. So you, they'll have concerts, movies, street parties. They have obaki, uh, shiki haunted houses, which are full of jump scares. They have amusement parks and they're all devoted to ghouls and ghosts. And at the end of the Hungry Ghost Festival, ceremonies are held to send the ghosts back to their own realm. At the end of Oban, people gather to float paper boats carrying candles away down a river or a tide. And that symbolizes the departure of the restless spirit. And there's a lot of restless spirits in Japan. The last book that I read in my much beloved and very missed bunker was by the journalist and author Richard uh, Lloyd Perry. We were talking about him a while back because I was recommending his book, People Who Eat Darkness, which has now been made into a Netflix thing. Oh, wait, that's a Netflix series? Uh, Lucy Blackman, the murder of her, has now been made into a Netflix doc. So I imagine they're heavily licensing from this book. And he's a great author. So I discovered his book, Ghosts of the Tsunami. And um, this is how we're going to get into it. 
So um, Richard Lipari, he spent six years reporting from the disaster zone after a massive earthquake, which occurred on March 11th, 2011, and it sent a 120-foot-high tsunami smashing into the coast of northeast Japan. By the time the sea retreated, more than 18,500 people's lives had been lost. Sorry, I struggle reading out numbers. I always have a mild panic attack. Whenever I see a number coming up, I'm just like, oh, God, say it right, say it right. I don't Didn't know Didn't you learn how to do that in school? I'm just like, I think I'm like a bit numbers dumb. Like, I'm just a bit of a spaz when it comes to, like, I just can't yeah, comprehend I've, I've them. I've never met anyone that, that, that has this much many issues with numbers. But you don't need them nowadays, mate. I've got a calculator on my phone. Yeah, but you just don't have to know how to say it. You know what else you can just say? You can be like, oh, like 20 grand, 35 grand. So you don't even have to say the number. Yeah, but if it's $45,500? What do you say instead of grand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So this is Japan's greatest single loss of life since the atomic bell uh, bomb bell fell on Nagasaki. And the, the thing is, though, it's I don't want to like underestimate how devastating this earthquake was. This was a nine point one a magnitude nine point one magnitude earthquake uh, that Huge. rocked Eastern Asia's seafloor right over there off the um, northeast Japan coast, and that sent a wave of ocean water the height of a twelve story building. Yeah, 120 foot. Yeah, That's into like at uh, least Japan's coast. 120 foot is at least 12 great white sharks. Just It's huge. It's massive. On top of and thousands other. of people died. Millions lost access to running water, electricity. And there were more than 120,000 buildings that were destroyed in a matter of minutes. Mental. So to put it into perspective, so that 9.1 earthquake is, is massive compared to like the Loma Prada earthquake that devastated parts of San Francisco and destroyed, uh, I guess, the eastern part of the uh, Bay Bridge. That was, a, that was only a 6.9. Shit. Yeah, it was a 6.9. The 2010 Haiti earthquake that just completely destroyed uh, Haiti, and they're still recovering from that, that was a 7. Um, the worst earthquake that's ever been recorded is Valdivia earthquake that happened in Chile in 1960. That was a 9.5. But there's a bigger one coming. Well, we they all say, know they about it. They say there will be, but... But I mean, a 9.1 is is a massive, very devastating earthquake. Well, I mean, taking on anything that's 9.1 is a, is a feat for anyone. <laughs> you gotta make it sexual. <laughs> the earthquake was the biggest ever known to have struck Japan, and it's the fourth mo- most powerful in recorded history. It actually knocked the earth six and a half inches off its axis, and it moved Japan 13 feet closer to America. Half a million people were driven from their homes and three of the reactors in the Fukushima Daiichi power station melted down, causing the world's worst nuclear accident since Chernobyl. In all, the earthquake and the tsunami caused more than $210 billion worth of damages, making it the most costly natural disaster ever. You think all that radiation made the sushi taste better? Fuck yeah. (laughs) I really want to go to Japan. And a little spicier. Yeah, and just a little bit of green on top. I got to say, that was my favorite part. When I was there, Well, the, I had issues with eating, just being a vegetarian. Yeah, because no meat. They, they eat meat and everything. Not only like meat, they eat weird meat, like horse meat. Yeah. Um, but, but sushi is prevalent, and the sushi there was the best I've ever had. Well, where else are you going to get better sushi than the land where it yeah. came from? Actually, there's only two forces that can inflict greater damage than a tsunami, and that's collision with an asteroid or a nuclear explosion. I would choose, if you had to choose out those three, I am choosing. Actually, we haven't had a collision with an asteroid in a long time, so I'm choosing that. Yeah, I would probably take my chances with that one. It'd be fun. 
That'd be kind of cool. The scenes along the 400 miles of coastline that was battered by the tsunami resembled those of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August of 45. But, you know, with water instead of fire, mud for ash and the stink of fish and ooze for scorched wood and smoke. The tsunami spared nothing, no one. Most of the people died from drowning. Others were crushed and some came back so brutalized that a cause of death could not be established. Relatives searched endlessly in the hours, days, weeks, months, and years after the disaster. In Ishomaki, a coastal city in neighboring um, Miyagi Prefecture. Sorry, Adam. Miyagi. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Oh, is it Mr. Miyagi? Is that where he's from? I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, I don't, he's a fictional character, but maybe. <laughs> maybe that's where he's from. Nearly 3,200 people died in the disaster. One of them was Avery, Miko Sato's daughter, and she loved playing with her little sister and she wanted to be a TV presenter when she grew up. Avery was at the local kindergarten when the earthquake struck. It took three days for Sato to find Avery. She worked along a field of rubble where thin plumes of smoke still smoldered between bits of plywood and metal. One of the other parents eventually found the charred remains of a yellow school bus hidden under what had been the metal roof of a house. She said, by the time we found them, all that was left of her was as small as a baby. We were so afraid that the wind would blow them away. Sad like. Even now in 2023, more than two and a half thousand people are still missing and the lack of the remains and the difficulty in the search for the remains means some people have been living in limbo since 2011. And whilst Japan and its people rank amongst some of the most ungodly in the world, it isn't Shinto or Buddhism that is the true religion of Japan. It's the cult of the ancestors. No, I actually looked that up to see what are the least religious countries in the world. So number one is the Czech Republic. Is it? Oh my God. Do you know what? I love the Czech Republic. Maybe this is why I vibe when I go there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, but it does make sense. Number two, North Korea. That makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) Um, Number three is Estonia. And number four is Japan and only 60% of the population. United Kingdom must be in this list. You know, United Kingdom's number 15. That's Under France, France is 13. Oh, that's surprising. And the United States is 31. Yeah. I figured we'd be a little lower. (laughs) Well, you hoped you'd be lower. Well, no, I mean, I figured we'd be lower than 31. Or higher than 31, my bad. I meant we'd be higher than 31 because... Because of all the god bothers here. Yeah, I mean, even in Congress, we have people that are passing yeah. laws because of religion. So, yeah, no, religion is definitely uh, a pervasive force here. So most Japanese home have a butsudan, which is a small altar on which the memorial tablets for their dead ancestors, the aihi, are displayed. So usually they have cabinets with carvings of flowers and trees, and the aihi typically are like black lacquered wood, and they stand upright and they're vertically inscribed in gold. And you will offer like flour, incense, food, fruit and drinks are all placed at the altar. And during the summer festival for the dead, families will light lanterns to welcome home their ancestral spirits. The religious scholar Herman Ooms wrote, the dead are not as dead there as they are in our society. It has always made perfect sense in Japan as far back as history grows to teach to treat the dead as more alive than we do, even to the extent that death becomes a variant, not a negation of life. So they're just always knocking about. Well, I think it's just part of their culture. Yeah. And they accept the dead. So it's like ghosts aren't something to be feared. Like they are for us. Yeah. Like here, they're kind of this like fearsome thing that, 
I mean, man, I don't know if it's because we grew up with like religion and religion teaches you like, you know, spirits need to be in heaven or hell. Yeah, yeah. And if they're not in heaven or hell, well, that's just something to be feared. But I think in Japan, it's like these are your relatives, your ancestors. In Japan as well, the dead play a continuing part in daily life and the tsunami also destroyed part of the religion of the ancestors. The water carried away the altars, the tablets and photographs that would be displayed within. Cemetery vaults were ripped open, temples were desecrated, along with the memorial books that listed the names of like ancestors over generations. Here we go, Adam from Tokyo. Yozo Taneyama, which is a priest. It's not bad. He told Richard Lloyd Perry, the memorial tablets, it's difficult to exaggerate their importance. When there's a fire and earthquake that I hear the first thing that many people will save before money or documents. I think that people died in the tsunami because they went home for the I hear. It's life. It's the life of the ancestors. It's like saving your father's life. You know, it's got to be pronounced Ehi. Ehi? Ihi? Am I no, saying you're it saying like... saying ahi, like ahi tuna. tuna. And I keep thinking, like, I love ahi tuna, too. And I probably would go back and save, like, a, you know, a couple, like, good pieces of ahi. But it's got to be ihi. What's the flower that they give you in Hawaii? I don't know. What those, uh, lays? Lays. Is, <laughs> because that's spelt weird, but it's spelled... But you say it like lays. Isn't it L-A-I? And this looks like that or to L-E-I, me? I think. It's something like that. Anyways, I'm fucking trying. <laughs> I don't speak Japanese. I can barely speak English. Um, when people die violently or prematurely in anger or in anguish, they risk becoming a gaki, which is a hungry ghost. And they wander between the worlds, propagating curses and mischief. So the origins are traced back to Buddhist teachings. It's the importance of karma and reincarnation. And the aim was to teach that the actions we take in life will determine our fate in the afterlife. So if we live a virtuous life, we're going to be reborn into a better existence. I want to be a Eurasian otter. (laughs) Just romping about with my mates, playing with stones. Just being, I think they're kind of chubby. I like it. I like oh, they, it and they hang out in gangs. I think yeah. Kind of cool. And biting off people's fingers. Totally into it. But if we live a life of greed and selfishness on nonce kids, we may be reborn as a gaki. So in folklore, the gaki are associated with the Shinto connection to the ancestors. So if a family fails to honor their ancestors properly, they will be cursed with the presence of hungry ghosts. So as Kay was saying, your death is almost as important as life in Japan. So when someone dies in Japan, their soul travels to the Yomino Kuni, which is the Shinto afterlife, or the Anoyo, which is the pure land of the Buddhists. I know I'm probably saying that wrong, but I find it really funny. It's like the Anoyo. It's like, now I'm going to be annoyed forever. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Jewish hell. Um, according to the Shinto tradition, though, uh, all people have a god within them. So... Similar to kind of like we have a soul sustained by our flesh, but when we die, God frees you know that soul uh, from your body. And so the spirit has to reach the afterlife. But this can be like an arduous and difficult journey. And um, so when a family member dies in Japan, the living relatives have to watch over the deceased. They have to help them accompany them through the journey to the afterlife by doing all this, a number of different rituals, these elaborate rituals. And so once they've overcome all these obstacles, then the ancestor will be able to, to watch over their living ancestors on earth uh, to protect them from any misfortune. But if they fail to overcome the obstacles and reach Yomino Kuni, then their spirit turns into a yurei, which is a Japanese ghost, could be a gaki, which is a, part of, which is a type of Japanese ghost, and their souls are trapped 
between the world of the living and the dead for eternity. It kind of reminds me of like the ancient Greeks and Romans, you know, putting the coins over your eyes as you cross the river Styx. But it wasn't that though for, uh, I'm blanking, Chiron, to, to pay Chiron. Yeah, that was but I mean, fair. it's like you, and like even the Egyptians, you're going to do all these, well, I suppose in the West, we do a lot of elaborate yeah, rituals I mean, we do. too. We embalm a body, which is a ritual we don't need to do. So there are rituals to help placate the unhappy spirits of the dead, but these rituals were impossible to undertake after the tsunami. And there are no rituals for the ancestors who lost all their living descendants to the mighty wave. In a matter of moments, thousands of spirits passed from life to death with no rituals being performed. So there's now an army of Gaki roaming the land of the rising sun. Someone needs to make this movie. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, yeah, it's, it's you know, you got an army of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> you got 18,500 restless souls. It reminds me of the movie The Fog. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it could be like The Fog. So the Gaki are tri- typically... pirates. Depicted as gaunt skeletal figures with sunken eyes and distended bellies, which represent their unquenchable hunger. Um, Gaki is also kind of Japanese cheeky slang for an unruly, greedy child. So it's kind of like Caliban. Yeah, like a kid who just eats way too much. Yeah, just a little fatty fat. They are in constant state of starvation and desperation. And in some legends, they have long, thin necks, which means that they can't swallow food. And this also adds to their torment. They are also usually shown as like haunting unsettled figures, which represents that they've died in tragic cases. Another type of gaki is the jiki ketsu gaki, which has a giant mouth that covers nearly its entire body. It sounds like a silent uh, hill uh, bad guy. This gaki is said to be able to swallow entire villages like those that were swept away in the wave and they leave behind nothing but destruction. Yeah, there's many types of uh, these Japanese ghosts, these yurai. Um, but all Japanese ghosts are called yurai, and there's many different types within this classification. So there's several different types of gaki and uh, onryos and, uh, and and different spirits. Yeah, all, all of them kind of somewhat, you know, I would say kind of terrifying. Terrifying, but cool. Yeah, really cool. That's we just I'm have like one ghost where they're like, nah, we have millions. Yeah, we have like in, in like Casper type ghosts. You know, it's like. Or you have like haunted mansion type ghosts as well, but these are like terrifying creatures, like monstrous beings. You know, I think I, th- I would be much more terrified by a Japanese ghost. So there's onroyos, which is uh, the, that refers to the spirit of a person who died with a grudge or hatred and was feared by people as bringing disaster through possession. Oh, so that's like if you inherit a haunted painting. Yeah, kind yeah. of. And then uh, they and these, but these these type of ghosts can actually possess a body. Ooh. Um, there's Ubume, which is a mother ghost who died in childbirth or died leaving young children behind. Uh, this Uray typically returns to care for her children, often bringing them sweets, uh, which is kind of weird. Um, that's like that movie uh, Mama um, with the Guillermo del Toro movie. Did you ever see that? I don't think I have. It's kind of good. It had feral kids in it. I oh. liked it. Uh, Goroyo, which is, uh, refers to the spirit of a noble or accomplished person who became an un- unrayo after losing a political power struggle and died prematurely from an epidemic. Oh, right. um, then there's Fune Yure, which are ghosts who died at sea. Uh, these are usually depicted as scaly fish-like humanoids. Sometimes they can even look like mermaids or mermen. Awesome. Uh, Zashiki Warashis, which are ghosts of uh, children who are described as mischievous and uh, like pulling pranks on the living. Uh, there's floating spirits, and these spirits do not really seek to fulfill an exact purpose. 
they just sort of float around aimlessly. Like, do you ever see uh, Spirited Away? Yeah, yeah. That that's what these these kind of spirits are. Right. Um, there's earthbound spirits called Jibi. I don't even know how to say this. There's earthbound spirits there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're usually bound to a specific place or uh, situation. So famous examples of this include the the story of Okiku at the well of Himeji Castle. And those are haunting, and the hauntings in the film Zhuan, which is The Grudge. Yeah. Which is a great Japanese movie. I kind of oh, want to yeah. watch that. I mean, again. it's iconic. Everyone knows that film. So the Gaki is actually a Buddhist ghost. Uh, which is a ghost in uh, Buddhist culture. But it's not just Buddhism that has the, the concept of a hungry ghost. Uh, they're also called pretas in Hinduism. Taoism in Chinese folklore also talks about a ghost that, that undergoes suffering greater than that of a human, usually an extreme level of hunger and thirst. And so in order to pass into the cycle of karmic reincarnation, the deceased families must engage in a variety of wit- rituals and offerings to kind of guide that spirit into its next life. So if the family does not engage in these funerary rites, which last for a year, these elaborate funeral rituals last for up to a year, then the soul will, will suffer as a gaku or a, a gaki for the rest of eternity. I know you're saying it's like a year long thing, but I bet it's like, you know, on a Saturday morning, we'll nip up to temple and we'll light a couple of Josh sticks. We'll have a quick prayer for granny and then we'll be we'll be off in the pub by the afternoon. No, you got to do a lot of shit. It's not just a quick prayer and then you fuck off. It's like you got to light all these candles. You got to get all the ancestor tablets and do all this shit. Like Jews sit Shiva for seven days, which sucks because you're kind of just sitting in this room with all the windows covered, the mirrors covered, and you get food, and everyone's really quiet. There's no booze. It sucks, but it's just seven days. A year? I don't even care about my relatives that much. Your guys are in the ground within three days as well. I respect that about the Jews. It's like, get them in the ground. Well, we don't embalm. So, yeah, they're right in the ground, and then we just have to sit there and be all guilty for the next seven days. (laughs) It's terrible. Um, so Pretas, these Gakis, are believed to have been false, corrupted, compulsive, deceitful, jealous, or greedy people in a previous life. So as a result of their karma, they're afflicted with an insatiable hunger for something, like a, a substance or an object. Traditionally, it's something repub- repugnant or humiliating, such as cadavers or feces. What? So that's what they want? That's what they're forced to eat, but it's disgusting. Oh, that's what they're eating. I thought... You were like, oh, they want to come back to get a porcelain zoo. No, well, covered in shit. In addition Aww. to having insatiable hunger for feces, uh, these gackies also have disturbing visions. So being that they're kind of caught in like a, almost like a purgatory between the spirit realm yeah. and the physical realm, they occupy the same space. So while a human would look at a river and see beautiful, clear, pristine water... Gakis would see the same river, but just flowing with something disgusting, like feces, pus, or filth. Why are they so obsessed <laughs> with shit? No, it's it's part of the torment. I get it. I because get if it. you don't do the proper funeral rites, your relatives are going to have to like eat shit, literally. But, but what if you had a scat fetish in your life? Say you were born in Germany and moved to Japan and you had a scat fetish. I mean, even a lot of the Japanese make a lot of gnarly porn. <laughs> so wouldn't this be like your your dream to see a river of shit? You'd be like, oh God, I can't wait to get in that shit. And, I like, guess they'd give you something it. though that'd be repulsive to you. A clean river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this this belief though is, is of pretas, these preta type hungry ghost figures 
are prominent in like India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Thailand, like that whole area of the world believes in this type of ghost and okay. they have different terms for them. Yeah. Um, there's also another type of uh, Buddhist ghost called a Jikininki, which is a human eating ghost. Say that again. Jikininki. Jikininki. Uh, they're similar to Gakis and they're the spirits of greedy, selfish people who are cursed after death to seek out and eat <gasps> humans and human corpses. Oh, that's cool. They're not doing anything yeah. wrong. They're not hurting anyone. So these are just a couple different uh, uh, ghosts that are that are in that realm. Um, so according to so ghosts typically emerge from neglect or desertion from ancestors, and that's what sucks about the tsunami victims. It's like everything was destroyed. So what could you do? You don't even have the, your ancestral tablets All gone. to do the rituals. So the way it works is according to the Huyan Sutra, which is I guess Taoism. Uh, evil deeds will cause a soul to be reborn in, in one of six different realms. So the highest degree of evil will cause a soul to be reborn as a denizen of hell. A lower degree of evil will cause a soul to be reborn as an animal. And the lowest degree will cause a soul to be reborn as a hungry ghost. So the hungry ghost is kind of like the lowest of the spirits. Why are they saying it's bad to be reborn as an animal? I want to come back as an animal. Well, I think they, they think it's not as, you know... Being an otter Esteemed is way as a human. Being an otter is way better than being a fucking stupid human. <laughs> but yeah, there are many ghosts in Japanese culture. So yeah, and the most famous and probably the most recognizable to us in the West is the one you talked about before. It's uh, the Onryo, and that's the white-robed vengeful spirit, often a wronged woman. Her face will be covered with long, stringy black hair, and she's going to kill to readdress the balance. Um, the girl calling out the TV set in 1998, Ringu, or the remake The Ring in 2002, is actually the ancient tale of uh, Okiku. And that's a servant girl in a samurai lord's mansion. She's murdered. She's thrown into the well for breaking one of his 10 really precious dishes. And every night her ghost would arise from the well to count out the remaining dishes. And she would shriek and wail over the missing 10th. And eventually this drove the guilty samurai to madness. I kind of like what they did with the new ring story, climbing out of the TV a bit better, but I, this, one, this one's good. This one's, you know. I wonder how the rings held has up. Has its merits. Because I haven't seen the ring and the grudge probably since I was in my early 20s. That's like 20 years ago. I do want to watch it. I, um, yeah, I do. I think I have the grudge. I'm, we should not watch the American them. one. I want to watch the original. No, I will watch both and we'll talk about it on the Patreon. Another similar creature is the Yukioan, which translates to snow the woman. This spirit will appear on snowy nights as a beautiful woman with white hair and skin, but she has a cold and unforgiving nature. They prey on humans who have been lost in the snow, and like the Gaki, they are believed to be the spirits of people who have died in tragic circumstances. The Oni is a type of demon. It's often depicted with horns and fangs, born from the spirits of the wicked and known for their love of mischief and causing harms to humans. And like the Gaki, they are also believed to devour humans. Reverend Taio Kanata, he was safe from the tsunami over the hills and he was a few uh, miles inland in Kirihara. And with a group of other fellow priests, he began traveling the coast to reach out to survivors. They would speak to the priests about the terror of the wave, losing everything and everyone, their fears of the past, present and the future. But they also talked about their encounters with the supernatural. 
They described sightings of ghostly strangers, friends and neighbors, and dead loved ones. They reported hauntings at home, at work, in offices, and in public places, on the beaches, and in the ruined towns. The experiences ranged from eerie dreams and feelings of vague unease to that of outright possession. So it's going to get I actually think it'd be kind of cool to be possessed by a ghost. Depends on the ghost, because you don't want to be possessed by Jimmy Savile and then start going and nonsense kids. All right. I wouldn't want to be possessed by Jimmy Savile's ghost. But now be, then, now then. It'd be cool to be possessed by like Mark Boland's ghost. Oh, that would be cool. Would that be well, rad? You know what? I want to be Jimi Hendrix, because I want to know what it's like to be a black man with a big black dick. That, that's what I'm saying. There's some ghosts I wouldn't mind being possessed by. Yeah. Okay. I get you. A young man complained of pressure on his chest at night as if some creature was straddling him as he slept. Um, a hot Elizabeth Short knows yeah. all about that. I was about to say, there's a horny ghost. Yeah. A teenage girl spoke of a fearful figure that was squatting in her house. A middle-aged man hated to go out in the rain because of the eyes of the dead, which would stare out at him from the puddles. In Soma, a woman in a scarlet dress far from the nearest ha- road or house would appear and disappear to those driving by. A fire station in a Taggio received calls to houses that had been destroyed in the tsunami, but the crews would roll out to the ruins anyways, and when they arrived, they would pray for all the spirits that were lost there, and the ghostly calls ceased. At a refugee community in Onagawa, and the old neighbor would appear in the living rooms of other temporary homes and would sit down at tea time with like various styled occupants. No one had wanted to tell her that she would de- she was dead, and the cushion that she would always appear on would be drenched wet with seawater when she left. But now that's got to be a bit um, unnerving. Like, would you sit? Would you try to communicate with it, or would you just kind of act like everything's normal? I don't think you can communicate with them. They're just there. Yeah, but maybe, or, I mean, they probably don't speak. I mean, yeah. don't they kind of wail? But I mean, would it be like a relative, like your, you know, your dead grandma? Hi, granny. <laughs> Hiya. No. I'm, with me, it would be like, I'd be watching Pornhub and then they'd show up and I'd be like, God damn it, grandma. <laughs> G- grandma ghost. I'm busy here. I got things cock, to do. Cock blocking grandma ghost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And these were not the only sightings either. So in a 26 article, which was published in the Ashi Shimbom local newspaper, reporters spoke to sociology graduate Yoko Koda, who had written her final thesis about the tsunami. So she had tried to contact more than 100 taxi drivers in the stricken regions. And while most didn't respond, seven of them were more than happy to share their experiences with her. So one gave the account that a young woman got into his cab months after the tsunami, asking to go to the uh, Miyaga district, which had been completely destroyed in the tsunami. After informing her of its destruction, the strange girl asked him, have I died? But in Japanese, she said it in Japanese. Yeah, that's that's weird. So, and you know, I've, I've read about this. Uh, um, there's been several taxi drivers. The taxi drivers have seen most ghosts, the more ghosts than most of the other people. I think taxi drivers all across the world have always got a spooky story to tell. I do yeah. love a taxi driver. So a taxi in the city of Sendai picked up a sad-faced man who asked to be taken to an address that no longer existed. Halfway through the journey, the driver looked in his rearview mirror to see that the seat behind him was empty. But he drove on to the location anyways. He stopped in front of a leveled foundation of a destroyed home and he politely opened the door of his taxi to allow the invisible passenger out and into his former home. Did he at least get paid? It, well, no. He was what? he was helping a ghost. I'd want some of that ghost money. Ghost money. Do you I'll think do ghosts this. Have I don't shekels? work for free. 
Do ghosts have shekels? No. I would. What, they must use something in the spirit realm. I'd, I'd want something. I'd be like, dude, I just drove you all the way out here. I would Dead want them beat. to point me to the pirate ship that has all the treasure. Well, I guess if, if, if there is one. Like in the Goonies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Who knows if there is. I, I just want my shekels for the... For the you know, <laughs> Such <at> a Jew. <laughs> the Japanese have been dying in tsunamis as long as the Japanese islands have existed. And each tsunami has brought with it ghosts. So in the Tales of Tono, which is a collection of Japanese folk legends, a man named, oh my God, Fukuji. Should we go with that? Fukuji. I kind of like that name. Fukuji. Fukuji. He survived the Sanriku tsunami of 1896. He tells his spooky tale. He says, one moonlit summer night, he got up from his family shack where he lived with his wife and his two children to go outside to uh, relieve himself on the beach. I think it was a number one, not a number two. I was, I was wondering about that because would you dig a hole? I guess you'd just dig a hole in the beach. Yeah. yeah. As the fog hovered low, inside the fog, he saw two people, a man and a woman approaching him. The woman was his wife. The man was another villager who had actually been in love with the wife, but the woman's family had married him away to Fukiji. He called out to his wife's name and she turned to him smiling, saying, I'm married to this man now. Asking her if she loved her children, her face became paler and paler and she began to weep. Eventually, the couple moved along with the fog and Fukuji was left on the beach alone. What a hoe. <laughs> Ghost <laughs> hoe. Yeah, like she just goes <laughs> off. She died. Was she even so, okay, so she died and then she goes and hooks up with this other dude? That she was in love with, probably. God, I would be pissed. <laughs> Uh, Reverend Kanata said, so many people are having these experiences. It's impossible to identify who and where they all are. But there are countless such people and their number is going to increase. And all we can do is treat symptoms. And like we said before, soon the symptoms increase to being possessed. Takeshi Oni, which is not his real name, was an ordinary man. He lived in the same town as Reverend Kanata. He was a strong, stocky man in his late 30s. He was also the owner of a small construction firm at the time. So he's at work on a house when the earthquake struck. And he clung to the ground for as long as the land shook. And like most Japanese, he's very prepared to deal with earthquakes. You know, it's not his first rodeo. Over the next few days after the quake, him and his family, they cooked on camping stoves until power was restored. They survived on generators and they paid little attention to the news until the television was restored. You know, we need to make an earthquake kit. I agree. I was thinking about this the whole time I was writing this. Yeah, no, I was, when I was reading through this, I was like, you know, we got, we got to make an earthquake kit. What because, would you be in yours? Well, that's the thing. I'd, you got to plan ahead because you, you, you're supposed to have food, you're supposed to have warm clothing matches, lighters, and things like that. I definitely have a bottle of Templeton rye. I agree. Maybe a bottle of Blanton's, which would be great. Um, maybe just a straight bottle of Bullet as well. You can't have too, you know, you can't, especially if you're like stuck under something, would you just want to be just drunk till they find you? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm we definitely need booze in there. Yeah. A couple of bags of peanut M&M's. Yeah. Maybe some freeze-dried uh, Taco Bell bean burritos. No. Um, some almonds would be good, some black so licorice, California. <laughs> some nunchucks for protection, Yeah. Um, at least two THC vapes, and then uh, three or four issues of Hustler to pass the time. Well, I have my Playboy collection that's coming, currently arriving off the ship, so we've already got the lads mags down. Well, that'll be good. Hope you don't mind those pages getting stuck together. Don't ruin my... I've been collecting these Playboys for years. Don't ruin them. You know... 
It's hard to whack off the Playboy. How? I can. I need something a little bit more. I'd rather need a hustler or a penthouse. Even when I was a kid. Oh, it's I like, see. You want to see the pink? Yeah, Playboy's like Playboy just shows like hair pie, just muff. I need a little bit more than that. Play- I can. Don't get me wrong. I, in a pinch, I can do it. Honestly, I do buy Playboy for the articles because a lot of the articles were by. Sure, yeah, you do. no, I do. They were sure, by rejected, you do. rejected New Yorker writers half the time. They're great, amazing articles, and they interview so many cool people in the 1970s. Like John Cassavetes has like a fucking four-page interview. No, I know. I used to Playboy was one of my clients at my job. I, I yeah. used to have to convert the magazines to digital magazines, but Playboy is the best one to do because you just read the whole issue. I will say that my love for Playboy kind of stopped in like the 80s when the big tit just blondes. It just became the Playboy. It became the norm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like where my love for Playboy just like goes away. But I have a couple of like modern issues of it. I guess I could still wink to those, you know, if given if it's an emergency. Yeah, of course you could. I would also include cat food in this because not only can you eat cat food, but, you know, we want to keep Chi Chi alive. And Caliban. Just Chi Chi. All the food is in (laughs) you. Once the images of like the plumes of smoke rising over the nuclear reactor, the black wave crashing over the land. And I I watched a lot of the footage because you've got to remind yourself of all of this. And like, it is very scary. Like the tsunami just like swallows houses. You see it go over malls and cars. Yeah, I want to post a couple of pictures. It's like this gray wave, this like merciless wave just destroying everything in its path. And it's like, I don't know, 12 stories high. It's, it's insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, and, you know, Takeshi, he's got, he watches all of this. He watches it endlessly. But he felt detached. He said, my life had returned to normal. I had petrol. I had an electric generator. No one I knew was dead or hurt. I hadn't seen the tsunami myself, not with my own eyes. So I felt like I was in kind of a dream. Which I can agree with because I've been through a huge flood, like when my property got flooded and we had to retreat and then come back a couple of days later. And it was obviously nowhere near on this scale. But it was like, Coming back and seeing it, you do just kind of feel like, whoa, like kind of detached. The power of nature. Mother nature always You know what? Wins. I was talking to Jojo, actually. I guess there's a massive flood in New York right now. Oh, shit. Yeah, Is like okay? subways. He's fine because he kind of lives up on a hill, but like subways are flooded. Oh, shit. And, like freeways. He was like, oh, it's such a pain in the ass to get to Long Island. Yeah, so I bet it was. Work. So 10 days after the tsunami, Takeshi, his wife, and uh, mother all decided to go down and have a look at the devastation. He had no idea it was going to be so appalling, and he went into deep shock, suddenly feeling shame. He said, I saw rubble, I saw the sea, I saw buildings damaged by the tsunami. It wasn't just the things themselves, but the atmosphere. It was such a shock to see. My first thought was, this is terrible, but my next feeling was, is it real? I'm sure he was bummed because all his fuck dolls got taken away by the ocean. No, his fuck doll survived. Did they? Yeah, because he lives in a, he lives inland. Oh, but he lives good close for to where him. It happened. His fuck doll. <laughs> what are those things called? You know what I'm talking the about? Those, like, those, yeah, but they're kind of like pillows with like a oh, with, yeah. like, with a face on it. <laughs> yes. I, I forget what they're called. Oh, they're such I'll look that up. That night at dinner, he sat down with his family. He'd eaten, uh, he'd eaten his dinner. He had some tea. He had two small cans of beer. And then, you know, he's getting nostalgic. He's, you know, so he starts calling old friends. He's really feeling lonely. In the morning, his wife had already left for work and he spent the day at home. And when his wife returned, she demanded a divorce. She was like, we're getting a divorce right now, Takeshi. That's harsh. He was shocked. He demanded a reason, and she recounted to him what had happened the night before. 
He had suddenly started moving around on all fours like an animal. He was licking the t- uh, tatami mats and futon and squirming like a beast. He had begun snarling, You must die! You must die! Everyone must die! I alone am best! Everyone must die and be lost. It's like the creature from the grudge. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Outside his house was an unused field, and he ran out. He rolled around in the mud, screaming, there, over there, before he suddenly stood up, stood up saying, I'm coming to you. I'm coming <laughs> over to that side. I am the gatekeeper. <laughs> you are the key master. His wife wrestled him to the ground, and this went on until 5 a.m. before he collapsed in exhaustion. He said, there's something on top of me. I'd be like, yeah, it's probably your wife, mate. Wow, she must be kind of tough, wrestling to the ground. Yeah, she's the ultimate warrior. (laughs) He had no memory of what had occurred and it continued on. The next night he saw figures walking past the house. He saw parents and children, a group of teenagers, grandparents with their grandchildren. These people were covered in mud, he said. They were no more than 20 feet away and they stared at me. But I wasn't afraid. I just thought, why are they in these muddy things? Why don't they change their clothes? They were like people I might have known once or seen before somewhere. The scene was flickering like a film, but I felt perfectly normal and I thought that they were just ordinary people. He began staggering as he walked. He was barely sleeping more than 10 minutes a night. He glared at his wife and mother and he waved a knife at them, sneering, Drop dead! Everyone else is dead! So die! <laughs> Some pretty iconic lines, though. To, yeah, like, scream no, this at is someone. Great. Yeah. After three days and nights, he eventually went to Reverend Kanata. He said his eyes were dull, like a person with depression after taking their medication. I knew at a glance that something was wrong. He vowed to help Takeshi. He performed the Japanese version of an exorcism. He beat the temple drum as he chanted the Heart Sutra. Takeshi's wife later told how he'd pressed his hands together in prayer. And as the priest repeated his uh, recitation, his hands grew higher above his head as if he was being pulled from above. He abruptly came back to his senses. He said, my head was light. And in that moment, the thing that had been there had gone. I felt fine physically, but my nose was blocked as if I'd come down with a really heavy cold. And it was not just the spirits of men and women that had possessed him, but also animals, cats, dogs, and other beasts that had drowned alongside their master. Takeshi thanked the priest and he drove home, but he had like a thick pink jelly-like substance streaming from his nose. Snot rocket. Snot rocket, bro. <laughs> so I didn't realize this, but apparently there's a large number of uh, Buddhist exorcists that work in Japan. I, I mean, you know, Jews, like I used to ask my father this, like, have you ever done an exorcism? He's like, oh, that's not a real thing. Right. But they, there is. There, there are rabbis who do exorcisms. Oh, people get People have been possessed by a dibu. Well, I was about to say, imagine being possessed by a Jew, because it would just be infuriating. <laughs> Why you just be like, can we go get a bagel? This bagel sucks. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, food here is terrible. Such small portions. Um, no, I, I, I was reading about it, and I guess what uh, rabbis will go there and they'll do a bunch of prayers, and they kind of separate the demon from the person, and then the rabbi has a conversation with the demon to find out what what's wrong. What, what's bothering you? Why would you possess Timon? He's just trying to do his job. And then they have a talk, and basically then the demon just is like, all right, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll fuck go off. back to reading the Torah in yeah. heaven with all <laughs> the others. like calming down. Yeah. But the Buddhist exorcism is a little bit different. It's like uh, the temple's chief priest and his assistant come out. Uh, they read uh, uh, the sutra, which are scriptures of Buddhism. Uh, they, sometimes they bang on drums or they burn like a, and they burn a special incense. Um, the priest also carries a shakuja, which is a wooden staff with metal rings. 
uh, that are threatened onto it, and that creates supposed to create an unearthly sound to scare the evil spirits away. And that that along with the drumming usually scares the spirits away. In some Buddhist traditions, the spirits are driven out of a person's body by causing physical discomfort, such as fasting or bathing in really cold water or slapping the skin of the possessed person. That's my favorite part of like The Exorcist when um, Father Caress, Caress Me is just slapping the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. The Exorcist you are a worthless cocksucker, yeah. Caress. <laughs> Oh, he is so hot. I have like a mini. So the Greeks are just Jews about money, but that's why I love like John Cassavetes, David Hess, Father Caress Me in The Exorcist. Just like these hot ass Greeks. Are you trying to like insinuate that you want some type of role play going on here? Well, John Cassavetes didn't role play and neither did David Hess. They're just no, but very Father Caress, it sounds like you want me to get like a oh, you priest should do robe yeah, or something. Yeah, why not? No, I'll do a Jewish exorcism on you. <laughs> Can we get bagels? <laughs> yeah, there's going to be lox and bagels, of course. Okay, that's fine then. So father of two, Sunichi Yamada also suffered first-hand hauntings as a result of the tsunami after he had escaped the waves and he salvaged two Buddhist statues from the wreckage. Suddenly his two children got sick and the temporary house that they were staying in had a permanent chill in the eye. As Sunichi said, a couple of times when I was lying in bed, I felt something walking across me, stepping across my chest. Eventually, he felt he needed an exorcism, and he turned to, I will say this wrong, Kanzo Azawa, Kanzo Azawa, whatever, to help get rid of his demons. <laughs> that, that accent made it way worse. I, can, I feel like I speak Japanese a lot better when I put on the kind of mildly racist accent. Yeah, I don't think anyone in Japan thinks that. Kanzo, <laughs> it helps. <laughs> Um, so Kansko had helped countless families rid themselves of wanted apparitions after the tsunami and she stated there are headless ghosts and some missing hands or legs others are completely cut in half people were killed in so many different ways during the disaster and they were left like that in limbo so it takes a heavy toll on us we see them as they were when they died I keep thinking you're saying concho you know concho oh, like a concho shell necklace no that's that's a Con- Wait, what is that a called? Conch. No, that the poop with a pookie. Oh, puka, puka shell. Puka shells. Now, concho is a game that like Japanese kids do, where they like you put your hands together, kind of like your uh-huh. fingers together, like yeah. a gun, and you shove it up someone's anus. <laughs> what? How do you know about this? You haven't seen concho? No. It's like a game they play over there. It, is it? It is, is it? a game they play over there. Yeah. Adam from Tokyo can confirm if his children play that. Adam from Tokyo or Johnny Got Faded podcast. Have you guys ever played Concho? I bet they have. I'm sure they have with Jimmy Savile's ghost. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> with his gacky. Uh, Yamada said his problems ended when he ended up building a shrine for the statues, but he still believes that the spirits of the dead are attached to him. But through his caring actions and prayers, the spirits will remain silent for now. But the spirits did keep coming to Reverend Kanata, and rather than being angry or vengeful, they're obviously confused and panicked. Uh, people would tell their stories at length, although there was never enough information to kind of verify a story. One man said he was filled with the spirit of a man who had survived the tsunami, but then had killed himself when he learned his two daughters had drowned in the wave. There was a young woman who had tried to escape the water, but she couldn't run fast enough because she was heavily pregnant. There was an old man who was desperately worried about his surviving widow who was contemplating suicide, having lost him. And then there was a 25-year-old nurse from Sendai named Rumiko who has been possessed by a, a dog. 
she told us to seize hold of her. There were three men holding her, but they were not strong enough and she threw them off. She was scratching the floor and roaring a deep growl. So they exercised the dog. Rumiko said the dog was the pet of an old couple that had lived near um, the Fukushima nuclear power plant. And when the radiation began to leak, the owners had fled, but they had forgotten to unchain the pup. Ah, so he died. He died of first and hunger. And later, when it was much too late, the spirit of the dog observed men in white protective suits coming in and peering at its little shriveled up corpse. How do they know that? Well, because he's a spirit and they can watch. Wow, and then he just went and possessed this lady. Yeah. Did she hump anything? No, she's not Chi-Chi. <laughs> Looking for an out. That's what Chi-Chi's spirit would do. It would just try, try and hump, find me to hump my arm. <laughs> Ramiko would suffer several possessions, ranging in all ages too. When a child possessed her, they would often call out for their mother or they would apologize for losing a sibling in the Black Sea as they both drowned. Reverend Kanata said, religious people all argue about whether they are really spirits of the dead. I don't get into it because what matters is, is that these people are seeing them. And in these circumstances, after this disaster, it's perfectly natural. So many died and all at once. At home, at work, at school, the wave came in and they were gone. The dead had no time to prepare themselves. The people left behind had no time to say goodbye. Those who lost their families and those who died, they have strong feelings of attachment. The dead are attached to the living, and those who have lost are attached to the dead. It is inevitable that there are ghosts. Well, this is definitely a scenario where there'd be ghosts. I mean, there's a lot of people. Fuck yeah. Well, there's like unresolved issues. Yeah. You know, and unresolved matters. And so that's why ghosts are here. But there are steps that you can take to ensure that hungry ghosts won't visit you. So some of the superstitions observed during Oban include... Do not swim in the river during Oban or water spirits may take you away. But this is actually just common sense as Oban is during Japanese typhoon season. Makes sense. Yeah. Do not whistle at night or you may summon snakes or other monsters. I'm a snake. (laughs) Do not hang your laundry at night, which you shouldn't do anyways. You should never hang your laundry at night. Not only is it Victorian bad luck, but it doesn't dry properly. It gets dewy and you never leave it outside and people might steal it. But... Passing spirits may inhabit your clothes if you leave them out at night. Do not cut your nails at night or you won't live long enough to be there for your parents on their deathbed. Oh, I know that one. Uh, Don't step on the borders of your uh, tatimi floor mats, especially if your ancestors edged. (laughs) (laughs) They edged on the tatami floor mats? (laughs) They edged them with fabric displaying the family crest, which would literally mean you're stepping on your ancestors. Um. Don't fall from a persimmon tree. So there are lots of superstitions regarding uh, persimmon trees as the wood is used to mark graves and uh, funeral cremations. I've actually never tried a persimmon. Uh, persimmon? Persimmon? Yeah, I don't think I've I, ever had one either. What, is, what does it look like? It's like, a, does it kind of look like a fig? No, they're like orange and kind of like, oh. kind of pomegranate looking, but they're orange. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't think I've had one either. We should find one. You shouldn't sleep with your head pointed north, which is the direction of the Buddha's head on his deathbed, or stick your chop ri- uh, chopsticks upright in your rice bowl, or wear a kimono with the right side overlapping the left, or anything else that mimics the rituals for the dead. Who's going to remember all this? I don't I mean, there's know. There's so many different rules. I can't remember all this. 
In the book, Japanese Ghosts and Demons, Art of the Supernatural, author Akira Yamoto says that every culture has its own way of categorizing and making sense of the world. For most Western cultures, there is a strict division between the living and the dead. Ghosts in Europe and America, they're something to be feared and something that causes great discomfort. But in Asia, and kind of Latin America as well, the dead live, live amongst them and they still have the same wants and needs for material possessions. And like, as an offshoot, I remember, you know, Kelsey Grammer, he's my birthday twin. Frasier. Yeah, which is coming back and I might watch it. I might watch it because I love Kelsey Grammer because he's obviously my birthday twin. Was he a ghost? He, he's lost a lot of family. He's had quite a tragic life. He has seen ghosts and really fucking believes in ghosts. And he says that all they want is a milkshake. That's what they all seem to miss is like they miss eating a sandwich or having a milkshake. So wait, are they all hunger ghosts then? It's just because they can't imbibe in it anymore. And it's like oh, what yeah, they can't, they can't have. actually have it anymore. Yeah. yeah. A survey carried out the year after the tsunami revealed that four out of 10 survivors complained of sleeplessness, one in five suffered from depression. There's a rise in alcoholism and in stress-related conditions such as high blood pressure and, of course, PTSD. Richard Lloyd Perry in his book says it's easy to imagine grief as an ennobling, purifying emotion, but of course, grief doesn't resolve anything. It compounds stress and complication. It multiplies anxiety and tension. It opens fissures into cracks and cracks into gaping chasms. For the survivors of the tsunami, I learned that everyone's grief is different and that it differs in small and subtle ways. Well, you know, Perry, uh, along with other scholars, all theorized that the phenomenon of these tsunami ghosts is most likely the manifestation of a nation just trying to process the trauma and the grief yeah, and the course. sorrow from uh, from this devastating experience. Um, so coastal towns across Japan have found other creative ways to grieve and, uh, and cope with this trauma. So the town of Otsuchi, Otsuchi installed a phone booth called the Phone of the Wild atop a hill overlooking the ocean that allows those in mourning to go there and send messages to their loved ones in another realm. I think that's a good idea. I like yeah, that. it's like an otherworldly phone booth. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, Dr. Charles Figley of the School of Social Work at Tulane uh, confirmed that trauma shared by the masses often produce strange collective reactions. Yeah. So I, I'm not trying to dispel these, these beliefs that, the, that these ghosts exist, but I mean... It's not that uncommon for survivors of catastrophic loss and dislocation to have similar reactions, be they like paranormal sightings or sounds or smells that they hear. So ghosts, for some, he says, are more tolerable than the void created by death. Totally. So I think it's just kind of like religion or prayer. It's just a way to explain and make sense of something. Yeah, I get it. Coping mechanism. There are always going to be ghosts in Japan it's now more than a decade on from that last disaster, but we await the next time, next one because sometime in the next few years, it is genuinely, uh, genuinely assumed Tokyo will be shaken by an earthquake powerful enough to destroy large areas of the city and seismologists agree that widespread destruction is inevitable and in geologic- geological terms, imminent. We're all just waiting it. Richard Lloyd Perry said, the earthquake is the thing that all humans face, the banal inevitability of death. We don't know when it will come, but we know it will. That's kind of what, that echoes the sentiment of all people in California. It's, well, the big one is coming. And they always say, oh, the big one's coming. It could happen at any time. Yeah, but it is overdue. 
And also, the big one is the one where, like, Vancouver Island is going to just get swallowed up. I think it depends on what fault line. But, I mean, I think they say the San Andreas fault line yeah. um, will destroy a good portion of California. And Northern, like Seattle, all Oregon, all will be yeah, fucked. I don't know how far it goes up. But, yeah, you, you never know. I mean, everybody says that. It's like, I'm just willing to deal with it. It's like, so I can live in the Midwest and deal with tornadoes. I can live on the, on the coast, the East Coast, and deal with hurricanes. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like I'm willing to take my chances here with the earthquake. Oh, we could live in Britain when none of that happens. Yeah, but then you might have Jimmy Savile's ghost coming down to rape Fuck you. Oh, I'm, I'm I'll take my chances too. in California. <laughs> uh, people, this episode 914 here is sick and wrong. Um, in the middle of Spooktober, got a couple Spooktober themed phone calls coming up next. The Sick and Wrong Hotline. 323 522 4032 is that number. Uh, but first, here's a quick word from Adam and Eve. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. This is Trucker Paul. I gotta tell you about this wonderful porno place where you can buy jack-off machines, dildos, inflatable wives. I bought them all. When I go home, I like to diddle my wife with a, a little dildo. When I'm on the road, I got my second wife, my blow-up doll, and my jack-off sleeve. Go to adamandeve.com. Type in the word diddle. D-I-D-D-L-E. And you'll get 50% off all your masturbation machines. How do y'all flick my balls? I put a spell on you. So we got a couple phone calls to get to here. Um, I was looking, you know, people actually, this is a great time for you to call in and share your ghost stories or any kind of Spooktober themed stories. Please, I love hearing it. Spooky tales. We'll play them here on the show, especially this month. Um, This one I've been saving actually for an opportune time, much like Spooktober. I'm going to try to see how many times I can say that. Until I'm very annoyed by it. Yeah, throughout this episode. Because it's a spooky word <laughs> for Spooktober. By the fourth episode, um, I'll be I'll be waving a knife at you. <laughs> you must die. And I'll be a tsunami ghost. Um, so anyway, this calls from a Driver, who we nice. haven't heard from in a little while. But Driver encountered a mysterious man. Oh. Yo, D and Kate, this is a Driver. Um, I guess I got like a follow up story. Maybe y'all can help me out with uh, trying to figure out what this guy does. So I service a lot of restaurants, big restaurants, small ones, some that shouldn't even be open, me knowing what's going on in the kitchen and everything. Uh, but uh, one of my restaurants is a uh, Asian family that owns it. And uh, the daughter of the owner uh, works there and her husband works the register, right? So uh, I think the guy is real quiet. Probably hmm, about five six, uh, medium weight. Wait, wait, wait. Is it so he services these restaurants? Does that mean he goes and picks stuff up and drops food off? He's laundry service. Oh, is that what he does? Yeah, yeah. So he picks up their laundry and then delivers the laundry back. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's why he's a driving about all the time. So is this a Chinese restaurant? Well, it's Asian, and there's forty eight countries in Asia. 
but I'm, okay, I don't but, think it's going to be like Laos or anyone. Is Laos in Asia? I think so. Yeah, but I mean, is it like uh, Chinese? Is it Vietnamese? Is it Thai? Is it ramen? I think he's just using the term. I think it's Chinese. All right. And plus, the guy's five foot six. So, you know, ch- a Chinaman is quite small. Uh, possibly, yeah. And uh, this is always keeps himself works the register doesn't say much of anything so uh last week i seen this car like usually where the employees part i'm thinking oh man i don't know if this is an employee car or just usually visit or somebody somebody just eating eating lunch or breakfast there so uh and this car is uh eh, maybe one hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollar mercedes Ooh, damn um baller so I service the account, drive around town. I think uh, the next day, or was it the next day? A couple of days later, I see the same car. And then, uh, oh, also this car has got, I think, Canadian plates on it, or not from the U.S. I'll have to see what the plates are from. Probably. Who was driving the car? He's just seen the car. He's not no. He doesn't know who's driving. But the, the, but the car is parked at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, they're into some dodgy stuff. Yeah, this is this guy sounds like he's mopped up or something. Yeah, who's just driving a two hundred thousand dollar car like What's that? What's the Chinese mob called? Well, you know, when I worked at the Gold Club in San Francisco, uh, it was owned by Chinese mafia, which is called Dilo. Right. So there's like Yakuza, which is like the Japanese mob. We all which, know that. Yeah, which I also question how much they really exist anymore. But I don't know. When I was in Japan, you know, with uh, we were walking around with Johnny from Got Faded, and he was like, "That's a Yakuza car." And he could he knew which there were like markings on it that shows you it's a Yakuza car. I don't know. I wonder if it's more a boys' club, kind of like how the mafia is a boys' club nowadays. It's like they don't really have any real power, but they still exist. They just kind of hang out. Yeah. Like the Shriners. Um, but the, in uh, the Gold Club was owned by Dilo, which is like these Chinese mob guys. And uh, yeah, you'd see them every Saturday because I work Saturday shifts. You'd see them. They'd all eat upstairs like before the club was really officially open. And they would sit at this big table and there'd be like two really big tattooed Asian dudes at either end of the table. And they would all sit there and have like a big meal at the Gold Club. And the guy that, that ran it all was this like really kind of soft-spoken Chinese guy who didn't speak any English. Um, his name was Mr. Lau. Right. And he was, he was fearsome. I bet. Like you just knew if Mr. Lau was mad at you, nothing good was going to come from that. And he had like kind of, he always had his like crew of dudes with him. Yeah. And they, I don't know what was going on there. I think it was a lot of money laundering that was happening at that strip club. Because I don't think those guys were dealing drugs. Maybe they were dealing. Maybe they were dealing with other type of stuff. But I think it was mostly money laundering. Okay. I think. But yeah, it's, it's Dilo is the Chinese mob. If I ever see it next time. For the so yeah, I see the car driving down the street, and then uh, it's at a red light, and I look in the window, and I notice that it's the the boyfriend or husband of the daughter. I'm like, what the fuck, like. Like he's working register at not a big chain or any. It's like a mom and pop like diner with his car. He's driving it, and I wave at him so he knows. I know that it's him and it's his car. And 
I'm not, I don't think he was keeping it a secret or anything. I just, you know, just didn't, I guess, expect it. <laughs> so it's the dude who owns the restaurant that drives his fancy car. No, it's the daughter's boyfriend or husband who works the register. And this guy can afford a $200,000 car. Well, maybe with his overwork. Something's going on. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if, the, so Dilo, which was in, at least in San Francisco Chinese, I wonder if it's a, like a subsection or a, a component of triad, which triads like Oh, the, the triads, yeah. The triads That's like the it. real, so I wonder if like yeah. the triads like the, the overlying mafia, but within there you have different families. Yeah, like the mafia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, I wonder if that's why Dilo was just the San Francisco one. I don't really know much about the Chinese mob, to be honest. I don't either. Rather not know that much about them. <laughs> so, uh, and he waves back, so he sees me. And then, uh, I guess this week, I, saw, I just got done service, and I just wanted to call, and I was like, I don't know, I'm thinking like the whole week, man, what, did, what does he do to, to not work? I say he works register at a cat small cafe um to have a hundred fifty thousand two hundred thousand dollar mercedes um and i'm just thinking you know maybe he hit like the crypto boom or he got money in the family and he just married somebody out of it or and uh you automatically suspect something shady though well, you would, like, imagine if you saw me driving a $200,000 car. Like, I would think porn star. On. Would you? Yeah, any any kind of hot girl driving, a real, like, a Lambo, I'd be like, she's probably a porn star or an influencer. Influencer or, like, wife of a producer. Yeah, that could be, too. Like, the wife of some, like, Angeline. Yeah. You know, do you ever see that? Uh, I haven't seen his videos in a while, but there's some, like, influencer guy on Instagram that posts videos of him, like, reels, Going up to people in like really fancy cars and being like, Asking them. hey, what do you do for a living? Yeah, yeah. To afford this car. And like some people are like, fuck off. But some people will be like, oh, you know, I'm in hedge funds. But then yeah, whenever he asks like a hot girl, she's like, oh, just ask my daddy. Oh, no. Sometimes she's like, OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Or OnlyFans. It's almost either ask my daddy or OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. But this is interesting, though. I'd be curious, too, like. How can a like a young guy who runs a cash register afford a car that's more expensive than a lot of people's homes? What's he done? Something. Yo, well, shit. I guess I went over three minutes. Part um, two. But uh, I guess continuing on. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out like where he's getting this money from, or or how he's got it. Would you tail him? It depends. So that's my favorite thing to do on holiday, though, is to casually stalk. Like what you what you do when you're on holiday is you'll you'll go into a place to sit down to have a glass of wine or a drink of beer, and then you just find another couple inside that cafe, or you'll be out walking. You'll maybe see them. You just fucking follow them. What, are you trying to swing with them or something? <laughs> no, you just follow them. <laughs> that creepy couple being like, you know, hey. give it a wink. You want a drink? Saw you from across the bar. <laughs> <laughs> We're staying at the Hilton. This week I serviced it, and the, his wife or girlfriend is there, and I say hi. And as I'm leaving, he pulls up and reverses with the car. And uh, I wave at him, and he's waving back, and he's got a fucking black leather gloves on or black gloves on in his hand while he's driving. And it's we're like talking like what right now is like 
78, 80 degrees in Texas. Yeah, that's weird. So I can't see it being too comfortable. Windows down, driving with the gloves like that. Just odd. I don't know. Um, so it made me think maybe either he just, like I said, I don't know, just need some ideas. What do y'all think? Just... Driving gloves. I, you know, I look. I will always thought when I was younger, I'd be like, I will use driving gloves every time I drive. Or are driving gloves typically like fingerless? Or are they they can be, gloves? but they can be full-on gloves, just leather. Very Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge <laughs> uses driving gloves. But what's the point of it? Like grip? Grip and just to be like old school fancy. Hmm. I'll probably ask him next week if I see him. Hey, <laughs> just go out and ask him. Hey, uh, you know, uh, where did you get the car from? Or trying to trying to see, like, damn, just interested. I don't know. Maybe he's with uh, some sort of gang or something. I don't know. Crazy stuff. Hopefully, y'all can uh, figure it out with me, and we'll go along and see, you know, kind of where he got it from. Well, shit. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. So this is an older call. So I wonder, driver, did you figure it out? I just would totally ask him. I'd be like, that's such a sweet ride. Where did you get it from? Yeah, but isn't that kind of rude? That's like prying. Not to ask people where they got the car from. Yeah, it's prying. I'd be like, oh, I got it from a dealer. Oh, I'd be like, oh, I didn't know you were super into cars. Like, tell me more about your car. Well, then I'd talk about the car, but I think what you're trying to imply is like, how do you Afford. have money to buy a car like this, you schlub? Well, yeah, that's also what you're implying. But I know, at the same that's time, rude. you'll get it in the answer. No, you won't. If you just ask the if you just ask the right way, be like, "I love your car." Like, um, have you always been into cars? Where did, like, what? Tell me more about this car. Like, what's the horsepower? That's the thing, and I don't want any man to mansplain it to me. Maybe a woman can explain it to me. I don't know what horsepower is, but it's just so cool to say. Yeah, but you're you're asking this guy questions. He's going to start mansplaining it to you. That's different because I'm trying to find out from him. I'm just saying because I don't understand what horsepower is now. I don't want any men messaging me trying to explain what horsepower is because I could just look on Google myself, but I'm not going to. I just like saying horsepower. I'm surprised you wouldn't know what horsepower meant. Is it? So if you say like this car is six horsepower, which I know no, no car has only six horsepower. I'm not that dumb. But does it mean it is the power of six horses running? (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like your gray white shark units of measurement. So it's I think it would be something that you would probably use. Running all at once. The power of six horses, yeah. I love it. That's what horsepower is. <laughs> is and an really? engine obviously is like, you know, multiple horses. Like 200. The power of multiple so horses. So it's 200 horses running across a desert at full pelt in the sunshine. Hypothetically, it'd be the power. It'd be the equivalent of that. I love it. I do <laughs> wish the world would go back to when we could just ride horses, though. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little scared of horses. I know you are. I think what drivers should do is tail the guy. But if it was like, if this was LA and I saw some young guy like this driving a car like that, I'd immediately just assume trust funder. Yeah, totally. But this is Texas, so it might be something different. But hey, I'm man, still leaning lot, towards trust funder. There's a lot of rich people in Texas. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what city he lives in, but I'm assuming like this young guy driving a car like that. His dad brought it for him. Like it's, he's probably a trust funder. However, I would still tail him for the fun of it. Yeah, it why is not? fun to stalk people. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool. I'd, I'd tail him just to find out. But that is mysterious. I guess uh, just judging by the what I called the, these two calls, I thought it was going to be a little more spooky. 
this wasn't more this wasn't that spooky this is a mystery though this was a mystery and what what does scooby-doo and his friends unravel I don't know. Mysteries. Velma's titties. They're mystery ink. <laughs> Velma's well, <yeah>. titties. <laughs> you know, I used to get called, one of my nicknames in college was Velma because I had a short bob haircut and I wore glasses and I wore like lots of crazy outfits. Do you wear like an orange sweater and like a shirt? She wore like an orange sweater and, and like a, a cheerleader shirt. girl outfit. Yeah. No, I never like intentionally dressed like Velma. It's just I did look like Velma. You know, I remember Harrison had like a full-on oh, yeah. Velma well, fetish. Well, no, it's a, it's a thing. Loads yeah, of no, men it have is it. A total, it's a total thing. But he told me he had bought like a Velma costume. For a it's, hooker? No, he bought a Velma costume. So when girls could come over, he'd ask them to put it on. And I, was, I remember asking him like, and how often does that happen? He's like, well, it doesn't happen very often. You know, I mean, sometimes a girl would be cool about it. And I was like, I can't imagine any girl would put your cum-stained Velma sweater on <laughs> and a wig. Like, what girl's going to do? Like, would you do that? Um, I would have to have been going out with him for quite some time. But what's he doing? Is he just whacking off while you're Velma? Do you have to, like, you know, accidentally peek your, like, you know, bend over and your panties peek out and you have, like, a, a you know, an, what are they called? A magnifying glass. Is that what you've got to do? Do you have I to imagine, like shout for Scooby or something? I imagine it probably would involve beating him or something or tying him up or something. For Harrison, but it in would. The Velma and I am putting this yeah. out there. The actual live action Scooby-Doo movie with Sarah Michelle Gellar and the chick from Freaks and Geeks and Freddie Prince unit. Oh my God, I can remember every cast member. Is a really good, fun movie. I'm going to hard pass no, on that is. one. Yeah. It really is. Would you ever see the Scooby-Doo porn? Uh, no, does Scooby Doo shag any of them? Is no. it a bestiality porn? No, there's like there is like a actually I think Shaggy gets laid. <laughs> yeah, and they have like I think it's kind of like a stuffed dog. It's not even like a real dog. Oh well, that kind of sucks then. If you're gonna yeah. do a Scooby Doo bestiality movie, get the Great Dane in there they, and have why, the Great Dane. Why do you bone? want to see them fuck the dog? The dog, no, the dog would fuck the girls. Why do you want to see that? Because that's what you would do. That's the only way you could have a Scooby Doo movie. I don't want to see animals fucking. But I that would be like the a only hot reason. Scene with Daphne, Daphne or and Velma. Velma's pretty hot Scissoring. too. Oh. Um, I wonder what happened to that Velma outfit. <laughs> he got buried in it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, people, call the Sigmund Hotline. Call us with your spooky stories. It's Spooktober. We'll play them. It's appropriate. Uh, 323-522-4032. Or you could just email us at uh, sigmundpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, once again, thank you to all the listeners who support us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts. You're the ones who keep the show going, and we do appreciate it. Patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Also, if you want to get some merch, we got some new merch over at the T Public Store. I, uplo- I uploaded a couple new designs a few weeks ago that are, that are selling pretty well. I think they're very popular. Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Get yourself a tea. And uh, Sick Wrong Song of the Week, we wanted to find something so that, was, you know, we got to find a Japanese band. And there's a lot of great Japanese rock bands. Fuck yeah, there but is. this one, I think, is good for, uh, for a spooky type show like we're doing. Um, a band called Balzac. Not yeah. Balzac. 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 Yeah. Like, uh, like the philosopher, poet guy. Uh, Honoré Balzac. Um, they're a Japanese punk rock band that was formed in 1992 in Osaka. Um, and they're kind of like, I would say they're a Misfits worship band. 
the the Japanese version of the Misfits, to be sure. They're definitely very influenced by the sound and image of the Misfits, as well as like I would say Sam Hain. Yeah, because they they kind of they kind of sound very similar musically to that. Um, but a uh, great band, a lot of fun to listen to. Um, you don't even need to know. Yep, yeah, you don't even need to like know how to speak Japanese to sing along. Yeah, just a lot of woes. Yeah, just like Dunzig. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to end the show with uh, Balzac's Beware of Darkness from their album Beyond the Darkness, which came out in 2003. Um, It's Spooktober all month. I think I I fit in 30 30 times of singing Spooktober. Are you going to try and get in 31 days of Spooktober every time, every episode? I don't know. I I say it when the spirit moves me, the spooky spirit. I'll stop you. Anyway, um, it is is going to be a spooky month here in Sick and Wrong. I will be back next week with episode 915. Till then, take it sleazy. Yeah.
I'm Ike motherfucking Turner now, and, and yeah, I, I smacked Tina around, but you know, she was asking for it, and shit, I, I give it to her, you know what I mean?